wondering how we risk staying just a tourist without weapons. It's a potent question. Oh god. And hopefully one you will more great empirical casting. Imperial that. casting. Oh! Whoa! Ah! Whoa, they just struck a B-boy pose! Ugh. I think I've seen BTS do that yeah. kind of pose all at once. It was what? so sick. They look so cool. That tableau was so cool, but they also looked like they were being tortured. Oh, yeah. This is horrifying. Let's be clear. This is awful. Welcome back to New Rockstars. On Star Wars Andor, the pieces of Rogue One are starting to come together. Saw Gerrera is keeping his partisan rank siloed. Snoke actor Andy Serkis returns to Star Wars, hopefully won't get cut in half this time. And Cassian just met Melshi, one of his rebel partners from Rogue One. How will these two escape this prison on Narkina 5? Well, you'll get your answers when you fix this Andor. <laughs> This is WookieLeaks. It's our weekly indoor reaction show. I'm Eric Voss. I'm here with Tommy Bechtold. Ooh. Tommy, uh, what'd you think of this episode? I, you know what? I, I, I have, I did my normal peruse the news in the morning, and some people were like, "This episode was a little slow." I love the intrigue. I love the information. I like an episode that catches us up and puts us all on. Here's where everybody's at. Now, just get ready for next week. It, this was a uh, uh, a pot where the heat had just been turned up and they stopped the episode just before it boiled over. And you know what? That just keeps me coming back for more. Yum, 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 yum. Let's get ready to yum, put yum, that yum, pasta yum. in El Dente, that Andor, that Andor <laughs> Penne Vodka. Uh, let's get going. I Yeah, no no complaints from me. No complaints from me at all, Eric. Yeah, not for me either, just because they, they still smartly build out the world in such a like a yeah. fascinating way this prison on narkina 5 like there's a weird philosophy that governs it with the number seven yeah. governing everything yes. uh but there's it also just keeps everyone honest it's like an odd number it's a prime number right. uh there's like enough distance between the worst table and the best table so you can climb up a, a ladder as opposed to there just being like five of them or there just being like three of them right or there being nine of them nine wouldn't be prime but you know what i mean or 11 yeah. of them like seven there's like you know, seven is just kind of this prime number throughout nature. I I went way down a rabbit hole with the number seven, so that it was just like missing parts of the episode. I was like, well, wait, yeah, Andy Circus is talking. Oh right God, now. numerology has reached WikiLeaks and has <laughs> and has affected it. I'm gonna pull tarot cards after this. It's gonna be great. We're gonna have a great time. Hey, I mean, numerology has been coursing through the veins of new rock stars for years at this point. It just finally caught up to Andy. That's true. We we were originally gonna be a psychic friends network, right? That was our original <laughs> business model. <laughs> We sold we sold all our ad space on telling fortunes, but unfortunately, I think Miss Cleo went to prison. I did do a uh, Miss Cleo impression for an ad spot one time years ago. I'll never do it again because I don't think that was cool. Oh <laughs> yes, Eric, we we were just talking about cancelable things we did like ten years ago for pay by by major companies that were like, oh yeah, if that ever resurfaces. Uh, I'll probably you know at least have to take a few weeks off of work. But anyway. Uh, why don't we talk about what <laughs> happened in this episode of Andor? Yeah, take us through it, Tommy. Okay. Episode 8 of Andor starts off with Cassie and Andor in a bit of trouble. He's getting shipped off, manhandled by shore troopers. It continues. I'm so glad he got one more. I'm just a tourist. I love that. But, yeah, but to me, like they didn't hear the I other think time. there's something in, the, in his training to blend in by re repetition of phrases. Because he says it so much, and he's a smart person. So the fact that he keeps mentioning uh -huh. he's a tourist, I think he's hoping those words will be like in any, like if, if things are being recorded, 
They'll be like, all this guy said is I'm just a tourist over and over again. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much. But the fact that there's, you know, people who worked on the Bourne movies, it's like all those little phrases repeated over usually come back to mean something. Yeah, and he's so good at maintaining his alias name, too. You know, like he never wavers. Narkina 5 is the prison planet they go to. The planet is home to an Imperial factory facility. And given that he's fit enough to work, he, along with a bunch of new prisoners, are tasked with backbreaking manual labor, I think making like Mustang engines for the Imperial storm ships, it looks like. Uh, the, whatever they were making, those ratchet sound effects were incredible. I, it, was, it was like ASMR for prison labor. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of wardens in this country who probably just like, like fall asleep to the sounds yeah. of uh, license plates being hammered. They're, they're Googling you know? vibrating floors that almost kill people tomorrow morning. They're like, how can we make all the floors? <laughs> So Cassian meets a bunch of people, his old friend, as we spoke about. He also meets his supervisor, Kino, played by Andy Serkis. Is, I mean, are we going to get some Kino Ooh. DNA in there to make Snoke? Is that, yeah, we're probably maybe talking about that later. I don't know. Maybe we're not. Maybe this is a rogue <laughs> theory. Not only is the work hard, but they also have a sprint segment, which sees them forced to work harder and faster, with the least productive table being, once again, shocked by the floor, disciplined. Meanwhile, my boy Cyril continues to work his desk job, but he's taken away when he finally becomes face-to-face with Lieutenant Miro, permanent scowl. That actress is incredible, by the way. <laughs> to do that, like... Oh, yeah. Her, her like, b- bass fish frown the entire time. She looks awesome. Uh, she's noted that he's been looking at all these different queries that he put in about Cassie Nandor. Six different complaints. Seven, but she wasn't counting that morning. Cyril admits he's been using limited resources he has at his disposal to figure out where Andor is and then all by, uh, by default clear his own name. All is not well on Ferex, folks. Marva is pushing herself way too hard trying to aid the rebellion. Both Bix and Brasso, a returning Brasso, come to check on her before Bix decides to go to her friend Pac and use his comm tower to contact Luthen. The call is intercepted by Clea, who is perhaps more ruthless than Luthen. We don't, I mean, like she's Luthen's assistant, but I think she's the more ruthless one, or at least the more uh, unable to hide her ruthlessness. There's no bleeding heart there with No, not at all. Between his shop and the tower, Bix and Pac are both subsequently arrested by the Empire, and we leave them both uh, in apparently big trouble, Pac having been tortured, and Bix seemingly on the verge of torture. Elsewhere, we get a little diner scene with Vel and Cinta, and Cinta painfully informs Vel she's going to stay put. She's not going. The struggle will always come first, meaning the relationship that they have with each other is second. She kind of takes a shot at Vel having escaped a life from a wealthy family, but we don't know what family mm-hmm. yet, right? They don't mention what family, I don't think, Eric, but... I mean, I think at this point, it's got to be Luthen, right? Like... I don't know, though, because he's in the rebellion, so couldn't it... I'm wondering if it's another major Star Wars aristocratic family name that we, you know, we might recognize. If it's like, oh, she's son. the the senator from uh, Naboo, Palpatine. Oh, oh Palpatine? Wait, wait a second! <laughs> oh. Please, God, no, <laughs> Binks, your stepfather, Binks. <laughs> uh, all right, but it's Thackeray Binks, Binks from the Hocus Pocus movies. Anyway. Uh, focus up, Tom. You got one job here. Miro takes this to the Imperial group, takes the information uh, she got from Cyril Karn, and suggests that Andor could be part of the rebel group. She's convinced that this is the best lead they have, and she begins to work with Cyril to learn more. Now we're seeing where Cyril's path is headed. He points out that Andor had organized a group of accomplices with him, including 
Luthen. Okay, Cyril does his best, but before Miro leaves, he points out that he was a great supervisor. He did his job diligently. He wants his old rollback, and that's what always happens to the petulant, overambitious bad guys, right? They push it one step too far. Miro goes, listen, you simp. I ain't promoting you. You ain't getting your old job back. And she warns him, do not raise the alarm again. Bummer for Cyril. I have a feeling that's not the last we see of him. Meanwhile, Mon Mothma, Mommy Mothma, continues to whine and dine as she learns from Tay and others that the new P-O-R-D legislation has been passed, which of course means everyone's sentences have been doubled thanks to the rebel activity. That, to me, seems a little oppressive. Uh, Slightly terrifying that you can just increase prison sentences from within. Probably no examples of that in the real world. The tightening of security across the galaxy leads Luthen to make a big decision. He admits to Clea he's not sleeping, but he's been hiding for too long. As a result, he decides to head off for Segramilo. Interestingly, he meets Saw Guerrera. Jin, Erso, Bogolin. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker's character from Rogue One, of course. Oppression breeds rebellion, he reminds Saw, leaving things on quite an ominous note after they fail to strike a deal. Yeah, a lot of interesting things happened this episode, Tommy. I mean, the, the idea that the ISB has been hunting Luthen and gave them the code name of Axis. Yes. Which I just thought was so specific. I mean, obviously the Axis has like a, a different meaning when it comes to his connection point to all these different wheels of the uh, of the rebel uh, functions. But he... Axis is also the name given to the central powers in World War II, the Axis powers of Germany and Italy and Japan, and the fact that, like, the Nazis are calling us Nazis? Are you kidding me? I know. Come on! Gaslighting, I think, I don't know, or just plain old misinformation. Misinformation. Right, yeah. I mean, they don't know the history of our world. It's just like a fun, I mean, all all the freaking Nazi parallels, the way that they sorted Cassian into, like, uh, able-bodied worker and other people to like now it makes me worried about people going to that other prison like oh so you can't work so what does that mean for you and then that moment when they all go into the shower right like how can you not see the fact that they have to take off their shoes like ever been to holocaust museum in dc absolutely go to it you see the horrifying tragic pile of shoes as you walk in yeah stuff of nightmares and it happened jesus christ uh, anyway but yeah uh, no right of very course subtle this to- to- tony gilroy is not taking it easy on us with andor he's like you know what this is star wars but you're also gonna have to see some real life parallels and uh and uh it's not gonna be it, it, we are not seeing a cantina band as of yet so the uh no, the levity of the levity of some of the moments of star wars have yet to come Although, who knows, perhaps Andor season one or, or the first half of Andor, we got a dog on set. Dog on set. Uh, just kidding. Uh, there is, no, I'm not kidding. I'm, not, I'm just, my anger is not real. The, maybe perhaps the end of the first 12 episodes of Andor end with him on the moons of Andor dancing with the Ewoks. I don't know. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe after all of this pain and, and you know, uh, uh, tyrannical rule imagery, uh, Cassian will end up dancing with little uh, te- life-size teddy bears, perhaps. But he's not allowed to go outside to join the party. He has to stay in the treehouse. So that way you'd have Andor, Indoor on Andor. <laughs> no, Andor, Indoor on Indoor. Yes. Damn it, I almost had it. You got it. You know what? Let's put it on a T-shirt and sell it through our own store, Eric and Tommy's T-shirt shop, Arama.com. Oh, did I miss miss an opportunity? Andor taking the Hondor to Endor, Endor. Because we have the Hondor 
craft, right? Can I give anyway. you some candor? I'm sorry. Andor taking the Hondor to, to be indoors at on Endor sounds like a vision of splendor that I shall not forget to, or. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I want to stick my face in a blender. <laughs> oh, no, don't do it. All right, Eric, I got a question for you. How the fuck will Cassian escape the prison? Yeah, that I mean, I even if they're able to get to some fresh air, are they going to swim to the shore? I don't know. They have those weird whirlpools around yeah, the entire right? thing. Like, I can assume s- their hydras down there. Oh God! Swim, go ahead. There's there's water sarlax. <laughs> Beautiful water, Sarlacc. (laughs) 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 And Boba's still down there, too. (laughs) The uh, it seems like the only way you can get to these is if you have a shuttle land on it. Like even the prison guards who work on it, they don't have like Tie Fighters hanging around that they can just get off of. You know, so it's like a perfectly designed prison. Maybe the best. It makes me wonder why aren't all the prisons in Star Wars this well designed? Right. Because by comparison, the ones that we've seen on uh, the Mandalorian, you know, that floating one in space, the space station, the Wolbani in Rogue One, they seem like real poopy prisons. Maybe mm. just like the Empire uh, had a private contractor design this one, yeah. and he's a freaking maniac. Frank Lloyd Wright. the Star Wars universe. No one will escape this <laughs> one. <laughs> my perfect prison. But the other ones are like, yeah, just throw people in the hole. Hey, I got my best New Jersey contractors on this. We're going to bring out a bunch of concrete and we're just going to make it a great prison and you just put people in there and you blip on Jovi at them all day long. Hey, you call that a prison. I call that heaven. Uh, just nonstop Prince of New Jersey. Are you kidding me? Mm. I'd be living on a prayer. <laughs> Narkina 5. Let's talk about it though. It is one of the most fascinating settings overall that we've seen in Star Wars. It's this prison designed with cruel perfection and this obsession with the number seven. Seven floors, seven rooms, seven tables, seven men per table, seven seconds to get to your room. I'm pretty sure there were seven aquatic prison bases because you only see it from like outside the window of the shuttle, but I think there were seven of them. Uh, and we talked about this number seven, how it's, you know, it's a prime number and there's just like, it's enough for a crowd, but not too much for, or it's enough for a party, not too much of a crowd, you know, um, it's kind of the perfect number there. Uh, electrified floors, prisoners forced to, uh, walk around on barefoot, guards who wear these insulated moon boots. Uh, I loved how this was all presented as a game. Yes. It reminded me a lot of Squid Game. Yes. And then we also learned that they have these squigs that they drink on Coruscant, for, like a Chandrillion yes. um, delight. So I'm calling this episode Squig Game. Yeah. Because I think that's what it is. They get electrified. And then, yeah, we talk about these food hoses, which just feels like an infantilizing thing. It's an umbilical cord, right? Yeah, like, you don't right. even, you're just getting nourishment so that you can just stay alive. Right. Um, we have uh, prisoners who are killing themselves. Like, what a death, too. Like, just good f- Lord. stepping on the floor outside of your cell. The cells have no doors. It's so sadistic, right? Like, it's like, you may right. notice we don't carry guns here at the prison. We have no means of, like, keeping you here no need to it's because it's so yeah. brutal you just take one wrong step and you're dead this felt very dystopian to me because it was so clean oh, and so perfect very yeah yeah so efficient um and they have this way of like self-reinforcing it mm-hmm. like the the prisoners kind of motivate and uh and punish each other in a way like they're all in competition with each other it's it's again it's nimix manifesto yes <laughs> uh in incarnate like we 
keep them arguing and squabbling with each other and they don't come after you. And that's exactly what has happened. But there are little hints. There's little signs that they're starting to work together. So I'm on Cassian's table. It's Melshi. It's played by actor Duncan Powell. He played Rune Scott Melshi in Rogue One. He's a rebel commander in Cassian's unit who helps Cassian break Jyn Erso out of that prison on Wobani, and he leads the rebel faction in the bunker on Scarab. It's a real, really the first link in the chain of a relationship that we actually saw in Rogue One. We've seen characters, but they haven't really met yet. You know, Sagarera has only been talking with Luthen. Mon Mothma hasn't talked to anyone else. They're all going to meet each other by the end of this series. Uh, but I like how we see. It gives us hope, you know, because they did have this moment where Melshi aggressively tells Cassian to just give up all hope that their sentencing numbers can change at any moment uh, and that he shouldn't even look at the number. They have a long way to go, but they're both going to make it out, which is nice to know. Uh, in this prison, we saw Taga using hand signals to communicate with inmates across the way. Yeah. So there is some kind of like system that they've devised. It makes me wonder like, how did they de develop that system? Either yeah. they must've been friends who already right, had these kind of baseball yeah. signals uh, or like they just did it organically. You know, like they have a letter system or they're this like is like some kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, this uh -huh. means yes, this means no. And then the person across was like, Or they like, have no idea what the person each other across was like, or Monster Mash? Like and he's like, No. <laughs> I was working yeah. in the prison late one night. My eyes. Ooh, Halloween's coming inside. soon, everyone. <laughs> anyway. The uh, you know, this is probably just like a Star Wars equivalent of ASL. Yeah. Right. Let's yeah. I'm overthinking it, I think. Now on the first day when Cassian arrived, you could tell he was definitely clocking all the inefficiencies. Like he was definitely taking notes in his head because they all had to like repeat orders to him. They're like, what did I just tell you? Keep moving. He's like, hold on, hold on. I'm taking mental photographs of all this. Um, he notices how inefficient they are, how much they run behind schedule when some when they have to move someone from one sector to another that throws them off and how much that freaks them out. Like they're being punished by this as well. And how stressed out that makes them, how they don't really get along. Like, really, it's the design of this prison that uh, has made it so uh, functional. It's not like the, the staffing that has made it as functional as it is. So if, if Cassian can find a way to bypass that design or just, like, uh, tip over the first domino, these, these prison guards, as he said, they are not armed. Like they can, if they just can just get enough prisoners with a couple of those moon boots, they're going to be good. And he's, he clocked exactly how they just store extra ones right there. He's like the kid at the roller rink who just looks at the wall of shoes and says, these can all be mine. Mm. <laughs> I that could, was mine. I could, that, was me. that was you. You were like, I could take these, air, shoes, I could take these air monarchs. I could take these new balances. I could steal these uh -huh. <laughs> British knights. What was it, BK? Did you were you that old? Did you have BK British knights that were like a Reebok? Oh, I never had. Oh those. my god, I don't know. For, forget <laughs> it. Does Reebok even still exist? Um, we should check their apartment. All right, um, but the uh, <laughs> that's stupid. That got a that, um, that got a nine thirty a.m. snort out of me. <laughs> All right, anyway. Back. So what will the first domino be in the prison? I honestly think it's going to happen without Cassian. Um, I think we're already seeing it. Table five, our old man, Olaf. The poor guy's falling behind. I think he's going to either drop or he's going to cause him to fall behind. It's going to cause some infighting among the people at that table or other people in that room. And then Taga has already got his own thing going on. He's going to use that, the hubbub, over like Olaf dropping dead or them transferring 
Ulov had it there to coordinate with this other guy. Cassian's going to see this and be like, here's my chance. And he's going to say, all right, I know they keep it here. They're falling behind schedule. And anytime this happens, let's do this. There are a couple of them are going to get their hands on some rubber boots. They're going to be able to turn off that electrical grid for the entire complex. And it's going to allow all these prisoners on all levels to riot. A lot of the prisoners will die, though. I think they're going to, it's going to be a bummer. I think a lot of them aren't going to make it out. Mm. But Cassie and Melshi will at least escape. Mm. I think um, whenever like prisoners die, that's when they have to transfer new prisoners there. So they're going to use that exchange when uh, it's a real quick handoff. I think they know that. Uh, there'll probably be some uh, dressing up as prison guards uh, yeah, involved with feels, this, right? That feels I think Cassian's going to have to do that. So when like they come out to greet the other one, they're going to get uh, on that ship uh, to uh, jump in the back, hijack it, get out of there, mm. say F off to the rest, leave some real stinky farts on their way out. I'm just a tourist. <laughs> I'm just a tourist. He's going to say that to everyone, yeah. to Mon Mothma. I'm just a tourist. You don't have to you don't, stay. It's okay. You're fine. Place. You're safe now. No. I'm just a tourist. Uh, he doesn't know. He's a, he assumes all of his life is just a, a prison. He's kind of right. like Truman in Truman Show. <laughs> yes. He doesn't know where it None is. None of this is real. Nothing's real. Who are you talking to? My question for you, Tommy, is what do you think they're building this facility? Yes. Also, what do you think they're eating? Ooh. Are we looking at some Soylent Green? I think they're here? eating, uh, I hope they're not a sponsor, uh, Soylent. That Soylent, that Soylent, like the those drinks. Remember Soylent drink that was like, this yes. is the perfect food. We are... We uh -huh. are marketing food to people that uh, have no interpersonal relationships. No offense if you're Soylent drinkers. Call in if you are, and I'll give you a hug. But it's like, just drink Soylent. <laughs> you don't need to eat food. You don't need to talk to people while you're eating anymore. That's what I think they're eating. What do I think they're building? I think they're building engine parts. To me, all of the ratchets, it felt like a NASCAR pit crew. Felt like they were doing a lot of riveting, a lot of uh, socket wrenching, giant socket wrenching. Like I said, the sounds were very satisfying. I think they're parts of giant engines that either, you know, keep uh, keep those whirling waters around or perhaps power starships. I don't know. But I believe those were uh, uh, parts to keep things moving uh, is what is what I'll say. They looked very solid. They needed to be sealed very tightly. I, uh, I so my, my belief is engine parts. I know that's a little vague, but I'm not a car guy. I mean, they. All these uh, parts had like this uh, almost like a spider grid yeah. kind of look to it, right? A yeah. lot of like parts that were just like extended out and they were round. I think these plug into TIE Fighters. Ooh. Like I think they're part of a TIE Fighter cockpit. Ah. Like it's either something that keeps the uh, the the seat in place. It's the hood of the cockpit that gets lowered down uh, once you go in. Like something very specific that like... Once Cassian puts it together, I think he'll just kind of throw up in his mouth a little bit. Like we know at some some future mission, he's probably going to hijack a, a TIE fighter and he's going to look at it and recognize the piece that he's holding in his hand. It'll be like, I made this. Or what would be even better is if he realizes that and then they start sabotaging them and you cut to a montage of, of people dropping out in their TIE fighters and the bottoms just dropping out and them flying out into space. <laughs> I guess that'd be more like a, as soon a, as they go to space, the hatch opens up and they shoot out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yes, that's what I want. Let us know down below what you think these prisoners are working on. We have a couple more questions we want to get to this episode. We want to thank Uncommon Goods for sponsoring this episode. Your loved ones are complex, beautiful mysteries, but Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. 
Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, or your best friends, Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. Yeah, we found a couple of great gifts on their site. Like, Tommy, what'd you find? I, you know, my family have been, uh, we've been decorating our house for both Halloween and all of fall with the Fall Experiences collection. We love it. We love oh. the fall goods. I don't mind a spooky skeleton, but nothing makes me happier than a gourd with some leaves around it. A pumpkin patch, if you will, pre-slaughter. Uh, Tommy, you're, you're painting a Robert Frost poem in my head, mm. and I want to walk both sides of that road. Yes. What am I saying? Yes. It's just that Uncommon Goods makes me feel poetic because of how great their products are. Yes, it brings out the poet in you. <laughs> Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. Who knows what holiday shipping will look like this season, and the unique gifts at Uncommon Goods can sell out fast. So shop now and get it taken care of early. Uncommon experiences are more than just virtual classes. They're unexpected opportunities to have fun and connect in new ways from tarot card reading, romantic map making, cooking and mixology classes, and more. Eric, I want to pause you real quick. Can you and I get in a romantic map making class as soon as humanly possible? Yeah. Sorry, Kelly. Yeah, no, you gotta you're you're benched for this map making session. <laughs> no matter what they're into, Uncommon Goods is the perfect gift. From art and jewelry to kitchen, uh, home and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash WookieLeaks. That's uncommongoods.com slash WookieLeaks for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer, Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Yes, and we also want to thank Wondery. Go deeper into the canals of Numenor or the mines of Khazad-dûm and more with the official Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power podcast. If you're like me, you can't just watch the episodes and turn to your roommate Jimmy and go, what the heck just happened? No, you need some help. And that's where host Felicia Day and several special guests provide an inside look at the groundbreaking series and what it took to bring Middle Earth to life. Each episode of the official podcast features exclusive interviews with the series showrunners J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, including the very first full breakdown of the incredible season finale. And I mean incredible, baby. If you're a Tolkien toker like me, you gotta listen to this. Felicia also goes behind the scenes with the cast and crew and we get jaw-dropping stories and Easter eggs. Hey, Felicia, back off. That's our world. You won't want to miss. Watch The Rings of Power on Prime and listen to all eight episodes of the official Lord of the Rings The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download now. Download the Amazon Music app now, baby, get into the power. Okay, so a question I have. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Cyril and Dedra have met, it kind of feels like the world of Star Wars is so big, it's really hard for characters like this to meet again by happenstance yeah. unless one of them does something bold. Yeah. So uh, how do you think Cyril will meet Dedra again? My thing is that Cyril's going to do something real stupid. He's going to keep pushing it, and Dedra's going to be like, didn't we already have this conversation? Yeah. Do you think she'll come around and recruit him? Or is he just going to be on his own path and she's going to hate him forever? Well, in a way, the reason she would be hating him is because they are so similar, right? She only is where she is now because she broke the rules and raised attention and then used that attention to embarrass the immediate superior into uh, having her higher-up superior, uh, my man from Game of Thrones, whose name escapes me right now, be like, yes, I agree with you instead of this other 
Blether, or not Blether, what a, I, I, forgive me. Partigads. Partigads, yes. Partigads, Partigads, Partigons, okay? You're out. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Deidre time. So now, here's what I think. Cyril, we, we've had so much footage of Cyril being cowardly, right? Him stammering. We see his leg literally shaking in this episode. I mean, he's like mumbling under his breath to his mother, like, I'll tell you when to eat your breakfast. You're, you're going to have to go. You're not getting a Christmas <laughs> gift for Life Day this year. You're getting coal. Uh, but anyway, I think Cyril will, like you said, he's going to act out and do something so stupid that Dedra's, he's going to get Dedra's, Deidre's attention. And it's going to force her to interact with him again. And he's going to have a trump card. He's going to do it on purpose. He's going to do something stupid to raise attention again. And then he's going to have a panic, last resort. This is what I have. And she's going to go, this guy is the key to bringing down Andor, which has become my new obsession. His obsession has become my obsession. I will say the sexual tension between them could not be cut by anything because it is not thick at all. It does not exist, which I think is refreshing. You have like, er, you have like uh, over, overbearing young employees both very similar, and neither of it's not like, oh, this is like the Empire's uh, Han and Leia. It's like, nope, these two people would hate each other in real life and would never be together. Right. So good job, Tony Gilroy. Yeah. I'm not falling into uh, tropes of the 80s and 70s. Uh, anyhow, so yeah, I think that's how they'll meet again. I think um, something in this Imperial facility also makes fuel, and that somehow uh, there will be a fuel-related report mm. that shows up on uh, on. Keith Kurgo's yeah. escape, Keith and then his mugshot's going to show up on uh, just a tour. It's, it's a it's a moving, thing. and Cyril is going to see it and be like, "Mother, it I just found says, this guy." It just says Keith Kurgo occupation to I'm just a tourist underneath. <laughs> Wait a second, he's like a Pokemon whose name is I'm just a tourist. I'm just a tourist. Hey, why could why can't Pokemon talk but Digimon can? You know what? I think There's it's because it's they're because from, it's a digital world. If if they're from the Digimon region of France, then they're Digimon that can talk. Mm. If not, they're just sparkling Pokemon. Mm. I make that joke oh, for every it's... single property. It never lands. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go watch some episodes of uh, Pokemon. <laughs> Don't leave me no. until we talk about what's going on with Mon Mata's daughter, Leda. Yeah, why would she be nice? I no. I think Leda is onto onto her. Yeah. I think Leda is like noticing take home like you're over here a lot. And I think she's going to blow this wide open. Mm. And that Mon's gonna have to distance herself from her daughter. Yeah, you predict you predicted that last week and I was stunned. I was like, no, they're family. And then I was like, oh, family betrays each other all the time. Eric's right. Uh oh, yeah. I'm just a, I'm just I'm just a dummy, Eric. Yeah, she's, I mean, whenever a teenage girl or boy is nice to their parent, it's because they're planning something far more nefarious. Anytime I was ever nice to my parents from the age of 13 to, I'll say, 31, it was because I had something duplicitous just below the surface. (laughs) So, later, I'm on to you, girl. Mom, may I be excused my room? I did steal some beer, and I'm going to drink it in my room. Mm. Did I say the wrong part I'm going to have some squigs. I'm going to put some squigs in my Coruscant pale ale. Oh, yeah. I bet there is, of course, not pale ale somewhere out yeah. there. There's got to be a microbrewer with, like, a, a man bun who, like, comes out, and he's like, you guys are drinking all the, like, mainstream lagers and ales, but if you come down and try my pale ale, it'll really blow your f-ing mind. <laughs> We'll leave it there for this episode of WookieLeaks. You can follow me at EA Boss. You can follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold. Follow New Rockstar. Subscribe to WookieLeaks wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week for our reaction episode nine of Andor, where they probably break out of this prison. We can't wait. Thank you for watching. We have, have spoken. spoken.